Today's scripture text comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hear now the inspired words of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Denny's restaurants offer a signature breakfast dish named after what sports term? Slam dunk, touchdown, knockout, grand slam. A slam dunk, final answer. Oh, I meant grand slam. B. Sorry, you said that. I'm so sorry, it was grand slam. Is that your final answer? Oh, Harvard. She was a college student and she just thought she had it. If she would have just done what? If she could have asked the audience, right? Or phoned a friend, who knows how far she would have gotten. Um, but she didn't. And there are times in our own lives, maybe not this dramatic with millions of people watching and thousands of dollars on the line, but there are times in our own lives when we know this choice matters. For good or bad, it matters, and we're not exactly certain what we should do. Maybe we have an idea, but we need to check it. And in those times, we all, all of us, would love to hear from God. God, I know we pray prayers like this. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And so I've been wanting to not only encourage you to keep praying those prayers, but to teach you how to listen for the answer. And we're fortunate because as Methodists, John Wesley knew that this, he's the founder of Methodism. He knew that we want to hear from God. We want to hear these answers and we want to not screw up on a, on a big way, right? Where we can't take it back. And so he gives us these four ways that we can listen for the voice of God. John Wesley laid these out. And they they relate to the dials on a compass, like the directions on a compass. At least in my mind they do. The S for scripture, the N for our intellect. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, The W for the witness of tradition, which we talk about today, and the E for experience. Okay, so when when we use these four directions, which are there in your study guide if you're interested in those, then we can figure out how is it that God wants us to move in this situation, even the hardest ones. So we said last week our beginning is Scripture. In our spiritual compass, S is the one that moves the needle. Okay, In, our, in a physical compass, it's magnetic north. In the spiritual world, it's Scripture. That is our foundation. And so we talked about how we need to be reading the Bible, and we need to be learning the stories. And sometimes we open the Bible And that day, there is a scripture right there that speaks to our need. We have our answer. But oftentimes, and y'all have probably found this, it isn't as easy as just there's a verse and and it says, hey, Laura, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, four, five, 26, there you go, right? That's what I need. And it's not that straightforward. So then when there isn't a specific verse or a specific chapter, then we need to start looking at the other points on our compass to fine-tune our direction. And today we're talking about 
the witnesses, the lives of believers who have gone before us, the choices that they've made, the courage that they've had, the ways that they can inspire us, and the choices they made and the lives that they lived can help us make decisions. We can listen to that witness. And in uh, who wants to be a millionaire terms, we call this ask the audience, okay? We're going to ask the audience. Well, then y'all would say, well, how do you do that? Because on the show, you would ask the audience, and they would punch in their answer, and it would bring you up a bar. Well, clearly, it's not slam dunk. It's grand slam, right? Well, there are ways, actually pretty straightforward ways, that we can ask our audience, too, our witnesses to the faith that have gone before. The first way we do that is we just read our Bibles. The Bible is full of stories of people like you and me, ordinary people who did amazing things because of the choices that they made. And they're not always good, so we get to see how they recover from bad choices, and we get to see how they navigate things in life that we go through. So I'll tell you, when I'm, whenever I'm sad or I'm in a, a time of loss in my life, I'll read the Psalms. If you're in a sad place, go read the Psalms. That's how David dealt with those hard times. When I came here to be your pastor, I knew I was following the founding pastor, and so I started reading as much as I could about Joshua, because Joshua had to follow Moses and lead the people on to the next thing. So I've been inspired throughout my time here by Joshua. He's helped me. Nehemiah, he helped the people have hope in an unknown future. Uh, just this week, I was reading about this little scripture about Manoah and his wife in, the dark, in a dark time in the Bible called Judges who prayed to God for guidance, help us to be better parents. Tell us how to be parents. And I was inspired by that prayer and that desire in their heart, just teach us how to parent this child you've given us. So when we are listening for the witnesses, think of the places in the Bible, the people who inspire you, the lives that you just think, oh, that's who I want to be like. Go read their story, and you're going to hear from them and their life something about their choices and how you might seek to emulate but that's not it. We also have thousands of years of Christian history uh, that, that have come after the pages of the Bible. So we can, we can think of those believers as well, the believers that have gone before. It helps us to be students of history then. So I'll tell you how John Wesley did this. John Wesley lived in the 1700s, and he was a pastor in the Church of England, the Anglican Church. And he looked around at his church and it was unlike our church because it was all one social strata. Socioeconomic, it was, everybody was the same. It was all the elite. And what he realized was services happened at times when the working class, which was the vast majority in England, they were working. Even on Sunday mornings, they couldn't attend. And he noticed that if somebody did take off work to come worship God, the ushers would turn them away. The ushers and the churches would turn them away because they didn't have the right clothing and they weren't of the right strata in society to be welcomed in a church. And he, the problem was he talked to people. He said, this is wrong, but everybody said, no, this is the way it's always been. We've always, it's always been like this. And, and um, he looked around at the church, and remember, it wasn't just like, well, there was one church that was having a problem and it was Wesley's church. No, this, he was a pastor in the Church of England, Period. That was the Protestant church in England. So every church was like that. Every church was excluding over half of the population. Now, so John Wesley turned to the compass, okay? He turned and he read scripture. 
And in scripture, he saw Jesus sometimes would speak in the synagogues, but mostly he was out in a field or he was in a marketplace or he was by the well. And Wesley noticed the kinds of people that Jesus went to. He didn't hang out with the religious people. He hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors and the people of ill repute. And basically nobody was too low or too um, shunned to, for Jesus not to gather them in. So he had that really strong witness in Scripture that Jesus called us to welcome all people and even go outside if we had to. And certainly he used the other two that we're going to talk about next week. He, he used his experience that all people had sacred worth and his brain told him that was true. But it was really right then the witness that helped him go over that hurdle because he was a very proper 18th century English pastor. Right? He wore a wig and he had a little suit and he was very proper. So to overcome that everything that was going on in his day, he looked to the past of the Anglican church. And in the past, the church had been great reformers. These had been the people who had risked their lives so that the Bible could be in English. And some of them died. Because at that time, hundreds of years before, everyone thought that the Bible should only be in Latin and you should really be educated and elite to study it. And the early Anglicans said, no. God's word is for everyone. They fought so that everyone could come and worship God, so that everyone could have a Bible at home if they wished and read the word of God, not just the priests. So Wesley looked back to these witnesses in his own church history, and they inspired him. And he realized our church, the Anglican church, that at the, his time was most alive when we were most concerned for everyone. And so John Wesley began to not only preach to his people on Sunday in a robe, he would go out and he would stand in a marketplace he would stand by the shore of a lake. He once stood on his father's grave. He stood at the exits to mines when the bell rang for the end of the day, and he would tell everybody that passed by how deeply and truly Jesus loved them. Huge revival broke out. And that's where the Methodist Church came from, from John Wesley's desire that all people be included in God's family. So when we listen for that word of the witnesses, we're listening for lives like this. And we're not saying, I'm remembering the past and I'm remembering these witnesses so that we can go backwards to some perfect time in the past. We are remembering these witnesses to the faith so that when we have to take courageous steps forward into the future, we say there have been believers before us who face great obstacles and yet God helped them, and they were able to move forward. So we remember our witnesses so that we can move forward. Okay. Now, just a little aside here. When we were thinking about starting No Walls, our, our worship service, John Wesley was one of the witnesses that inspired and guided us. Because John Wesley thought that lay people, not ordained, I'm ordained, y'all are laity, that lay people like Trent Smith could be great preachers. John Wesley thought you could preach out of doors. John Wesley encouraged his brother Charles, who was a musician, to take bar tunes, you know, beer songs, and to change them into words that reflected God's holiness. So everybody knew the tune, 
but they were singing to God now, right? Oh, I know this drinking song, but now it's about God. Um, Hark the herald angels sing. I've heard that that is one of the ones that was changed. Isn't that interesting? So one of the reasons at No Walls that we are very willing to use the songs in the culture is we have a witness who says that that touches hearts. If that, touches, if that touched hearts in the 18th century, then it can touch hearts today, and so we'll risk bold new things. And we, but we don't just have witnesses in our church history. We have witnesses in our nation's history. Every now and then I get to do continuing ed in Washington, D.C., and I always take time to go to the National Mall. I've told you about some of those times, about sitting in the World War II uh, memorial and, and looking at the veterans there, about going to the Martin Luther King Jr. memorial and running my hands across some of those words, about I just like to sit and look at Lincoln and think about what he led our nation through. And so in our history, we have these witnesses that, of presidents, of soldiers, of activists whose sacrifice of themselves for others is an inspiration. So I'd encourage you, who are, who are the witnesses in our history that you think, oh, I want to be like that person? Then bring it closer. You have the witnesses in the Bible and the witnesses in the church history and the witnesses in our nation's history. You have some witnesses in your family, too. <laughs> There's a woman who told me that um, she used to go to her grandma's house. She's in this church. Uh, she'd go to her grandma's house, and at the end of the day, that was their special time. As the sun set, they'd sit by the river. And her grandma would tell her about faith, about how Jesus had changed the grandma's life and how Jesus might work in this young girl's life and how Jesus loved her and that she hoped one day she would, this granddaughter would believe. And uh, this granddaughter then came to our church when she had grown up. And she went, when, when I baptized her children, she went back to that river. And she got some water. And she said, would you please use this in the baptism? Because at that river, by that river with my grandma, all those dusky evenings, that's where my faith began. Who in your family helped you believe? Was it a grandmother, a grandfather? Did your father teach you what it meant to be a man of your word? You have a brother or sister he wanted to be like. Who are the witnesses in your family? Friends, when you don't know the way, think of them. How would they have chosen? How did they choose? How might that choice help you? This is one of the ways God gives us to hear. And then think of the witnesses we have in our church family. When I came here almost eight years ago, it was the spring. And uh, because it was the spring, there were blue bonnets. Y'all know how that is? All along the roadsides. And I was scared, honestly, because I had never met y'all before. And um, I saw those blue bonnets and... God just whispered to me, this is going to be great. Look at how beautiful this is here. And it was in that first year that I found out the reason that the blue bonnets grow so thick and beautiful here is that there was a woman who was part of this church. And she, was, she didn't have much money, but she would save up 
and she and her daughter would buy bluebonnet seeds, and they would scarify them, and every year they would scatter them along the roadsides. A little bit more every year to make the community beautiful. That was one of the first funerals I went to when I was here for that woman. But every spring when I see the blue bonnets, her witness inspires me. How could I be generous and in doing so make this community a more beautiful place? Then there's um, a guy I told you about before. His name was Jerry Wakehouse, and he was dying of cancer. And he knew how to tend rose bushes, and he saw the generosity in this congregation. And he wanted to be generous, but he didn't have much strength, and he didn't have many resources. And he said, Pastor Laura, could I take care of the roses? I said, I'd love that. And he would be out here kneeling in the dirt, caring for these roses. And the roses went from, I think I've told you all that, having one or two beautiful blooms to just profusion. And every time I walk past our rose bush, I remember Jerry. I remember how he gave what he had and he used the gifts that God had given him to bless all of us. And as I walk into the sanctuary, every single time God whispers, use the gifts you have. Finally, I remember a woman named Dottie Dickerson. Dottie was in my first church. And she was the kind of person, y'all probably know this person that you hope you're going to bump into. Um, She was dying of cancer, really aggressive cancer. And yet every time you'd see her, every time I'd see her, I would come away fuller because of her. And in the last year of her life, um, Anna was born, and that Christmas, Dottie gave me a present. She had spent who knows how long, how many hours of the last days of her life needlepointing this stocking for my daughter. And um, she said, Laura, I... My eyesight is failing, so I didn't get the last stitches right. But I hope you take it anyway. And um, every time I think of how to face adversity with courage and with hope, I think of Dottie. I think of her generosity. I think if I can end this life and be like her, I will have won. Witnesses, witnesses in the Bible and witnesses in church history and witnesses in our nation and our own family and the people that God has graciously shared with us in our lives. Friends, when we are lost, don't forget to ask the audience It's one of the greatest ways we have to find our way forward. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the witnesses to the faith, the people that you have shared with us personally and the the people who inspire us in history. Help us, Lord, when we are lost, to remember 
their stories, to hear your voice through their choices, to find our way a little better because of them. And Lord, help us to be living the kind of lives that others would say, help them make good choices too. May we be good witnesses as well. We ask this in your name. Amen.